all, and welcome to the 14th episode of the Ocean Decade Show, a podcast dedicated to guiding you down the yellow brick road of this global initiative to transform the ocean, housed within the American Shoreline Podcast Network family. My name is Taylor Gells, and I'm your host and tour guide on our adventure through the Ocean Decade. It was crazy. I had to, as I was writing this intro, I had to look back and actually count because I did not believe that this was the 14th episode of the show. It's incredible how many stories I've been able to tell in this one year and in just 14 episodes going back and seeing all the cool people I've been able to talk to. Um, yeah, it's just uh, kind of a pinch yourself moment for me here. And based on the timing of when these episodes are recorded, this is the first episode that we're actually recording in the second year of the decade uh, in 2022. And I'm excited to start off the recordings in 2022, going back out and taking a really meta perspective on the ocean decade. Uh, it's really crazy to look back over this last year and see how much progress has been made during the decade in 2021, despite the ongoing nature of the COVID-19 pandemic and our still virtual lives. Um, I know that many people who work on the decade uh, are <laughs> getting excited for the potential maybe for in-person events this year, um, but we'll see what the ongoing pandemic has in store for us. Uh, but when I first started working on the Ocean Decade in 2020, before it was officially launched, um, 2020 was being heralded as this super year for the ocean. Um, but with the onset of COVID, that, that title of super year got pushed to 2021. There are all these fantastic events that were planned for 2020 that uh, were canceled. They wanted to try to do them in person in 2021 again, canceled. Um, and so the ongoing pandemic pushed the idea of in-person meetings into 2022. And so finally this year, a lot of people are saying 2022 is going to try to keep the promise of this super year for the ocean uh, with several high profile ocean meetings, such as the Our Ocean Conference, uh, although it has already been postponed once this year. So hopefully people will be able to get to, <laughs> to Palau later this spring. Uh, the UN Ocean Conference uh, in Portugal, discussions on the high seas BB&J treaty. Uh, to learn more about that, head back and listen to our August 2021 episode with BB&J expert and ECOP Christine. Uh, and so all these are planned in person. Uh, we're really reaching a critical point in this decade. 2022 has a lot of weight on its shoulders of the last two years um, because we need to start taking action on climate change and on the ocean climate nexus. Uh, and ocean conservation. And so 2022 has to really fulfill almost this promise of the super year. It's like the, you know, if the, the first two children ended up kind of odd. And so you're putting all your hopes, all your eggs in the basket of this third child. So 2022, please, let's get some progress going um, to help us reach our 2030, 2040, 2050 climate ambitions um, to help keep the ocean sector aligned with the Paris Agreement. And I really think that ocean decade framing can help with that in a lot of ways. Uh, we can get all organized under this banner of what is the ocean we need for the future we want. Um, and if the future we want is a climate friendly one where the ocean is not acidic and <laughs> devoid of life, then 2022, uh, these meetings are are super important. Uh, and the ocean decade is super important to help us make this progress. Uh, and I talk a lot on this podcast going back. I've realized, wow, I say this a lot, but one of my favorite parts is the ability to zoom in and out and really focus on specifics versus meta. And on this episode, we're zooming back out and really looking at the Ocean Decade's first year, uh, because if it is going to be this frame to help us get this 2022 promise of a super year for the ocean, how well did it do last year <laughs> so that we can go over and see how well do we think it'll do this year? And uh from my perspective and from the perspective of many others I talked to, the Ocean Decade's first year was an incredible success, um, despite the continuing challenges of COVID. And I think 2022 is just going to see the idea of the Ocean Decade go even bigger and broader than we could have imagined. Uh, because while we finished this first year, uh, the Ocean Decade is a 10-year marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh, so it's key to think about how we're going to keep up the excitement and momentum over the course of the next nine years. And that's really hard for me to say because I've been so used to saying, oh, the next 10 years, the next 10 years. So I have to remind myself to to come down and talk about nine years. But uh, to give you an idea of some of the progress that's happened in the ocean decade this year, um, 
24 different national decade committees have been formed. They formed seven regional task force. This has always been a kind of top-down and bottom-up situation. And so these national committees and regional task force are helping facilitate that governance of top-down and bottom-up at the decade uh, and really engage multiple different stakeholder groups from science, government, civil society, UN agencies, the private sector, which I think is really something that I would love to highlight going forward because I, I think even though even 10 years ago, we wouldn't really be talking about the involvement of the private sector in the ocean and ocean decade and ocean conservation. So the fact that the UN and other bodies have been able to engage the private sector is a really big win. Um, philanthropy, obviously, and international organizations that all these groups have been able to come together virtually <laughs> to uh, really set the foundation of this decade. And that's really shown in the communication, outreach, and engagement that uh, there's 14,000 people who are following the Ocean Decade on all the different social medias. Um, this global stakeholder forum, which we'll talk about here in a little bit with Allison, which is kind of the the brain of the Ocean Decade, um, has 2,400 members. That ECOPS, you know, was really close to my heart. There's uh, 300 plus uh, engaged early career ocean professionals, and that's not even to to get to you know the specific actions that uh, Allison will help us go over here in a little bit, the different programs and projects and UN-led actions and contributions and activities that um, when you look at the pile of, of great work that a very small Ocean Decade team has been able to do in one year, it's incredible to, to see. And so I'm really glad that we'll be able to kind of zoom out, look at the successes of 2021, talk about where we're going in 2022, and how do we still get to that ocean we want in 2030. Uh, I'm really excited about this month's episode uh, because I'm following up with one of my favorite guests from year one of the podcast um, who came on early on when we didn't know if this would be a thing or real or useful or successful. Um, and it's pretty exciting that this episode is going to air almost a year to the day since our last episode aired. So we're just having a lot of that kind of synchronicity early on in 2022, which is fun. I'm very happy to welcome back Allison Clausen, a program specialist in the Marine Policy and Regional Coordination Section at the Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission (IOC). Thanks, Allison. Welcome back. Well, thank you, and I'm 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 so pleased to be uh, to be asked back. <laughs> it's uh, no, it's a, it's a thrill to be back here. As you say, it's really hard to believe that it's it's almost a year to the day since the since that last episode um, aired. I, I remember so well having that conversation with you uh, about a year ago. Yeah, and I, I was looking back at the what we had talked about on that last one before coming back here. And it, it almost seemed like an interrogation of like, what's this explain this to me and to our viewers and our listeners. And so I, hopefully now we can have a little bit more of a conversation versus just grilling you on the nuts and bolts of your job and the ocean decade in general. <laughs> Oh look, it's fine. It was a, it was a pleasure. It was actually uh, it was actually great to be able to. I think it was one of the first times we were able to talk publicly about it, about a lot of those things, and just really happy that people were interested enough to hear all about it. But never fear, this time we have even more information to share with you, and and lots of new updates and exciting things to share. I hope. I know it's been uh, a little bit over a year now since the decade is officially launched. Um, so how are you feeling one year in? Excited? Hopeful? Tired? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> all of the above um yeah look it's it's been it's been a crazy year right i mean we uh, we've 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 been working on many many fronts um i think the entire team is is pretty exhausted but also really really still very passionate and 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 excited and 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 just so happy to see how much engagement and how you know how we've been able to convince people to come along for the ride um with us on this on this crazy idea of this uh, of this ocean decade so yeah all of those things, but I would say mostly excited and hopeful. And that's, yeah, that's fantastic because I, I've been describing the decade to people as, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we've, we finished the first mile, you know, the first year and we still have a, a bunch more to go. And so if you were tired, you know, to start off with, then that doesn't bode well for, <laughs> for the next eight, nine years. That's a very good point. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to have to, everyone's going to have to save some of our collective breath for the, for the next nine years to, to make sure that we can just keep getting bigger and better as, as we go through this. I know, but the first year has been pretty big and pretty great, you know, to when when we look back on it. So the whole uh, scope of this episode is really giving us a chance to uh, go over this snapshot and what's really happened during the first year. So how would you describe the work that's gone on 
during the first year of the decade? What are the major categories of work and successes that we've seen that we saw in 2021? Yeah, look, it's I mean, as as we've been saying, there's there's been a an enormous amount going on, but we sort of in our minds at least to try and keep some order in 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 what we're trying to do here within the decade coordination unit. We sort of break it down, I would say, probably into into four big buckets of work, right? So first of all, there's everything around the decade actions, which is really at the heart of the of the decade. So we had our first call, the second call's gone out. Um, we're now preparing for the third call. We've got some amazing projects and programs in. So that's, you know, that's one key piece, which is our, you know, one of the main ways of really engaging stakeholders and, and making sure we're actually having the, the action and impact under the decade. Then there's everything that goes around the governance and coordination. And um, this, you know, is is where we're putting sort of the architecture of the decade in place. So this has been getting, you know, support, well, getting national um, decade committees supporting them to get up and running, trying to find some 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 partners to help with uh, coordination, either at regional or thematic levels. Our amazing new decade advisory board, which I'm, you know, more than happy to to talk about as well. But it's just, you know, it's sort of again some of the nuts and bolts on how are we going to make sure that the the the, the ecosystem of the decade Decade, all these decade actions are moving together to have collective impact rather than just being a dispersed set of, of, of research programs and projects. And then there's a piece, I guess, around probably engagement, communication, outreach, um, making sure we're getting our message across, always trying to bring new people in, um, reporting on the successes of the decade and really creating that that buzz and that excitement uh, uh, around the decade. And again, with many of you, I, I hope have seen the, the, the new website and other things we've been up to roll out um, last year and, and, and some new things coming up this year as well. And then finally, you know, the money, the resources, um, trying really hard to 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 focus on resource mobilization and I think that's going to be something that more and more um, in this second year and moving forward where we're, we're going to be able to have the the, the time and the the human resources to be able to focus on that more and more and really create this this revolution in in funding for ocean science which is going to be so essential if we're really going to achieve the ambition of the decade so at least in my mind those are sort of the four parallel tracks of work um, and yeah we've had some some great um, great achievements and some really exciting plans on on each of those four sort of different areas. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. And it's just, uh, as you go through those buckets, it just has me think about, wow, you have to think about all these things all the time. Like you don't have one job, you have 12 jobs, you know, and it's thinking about all the, and trying to bring this all together to make the decade of success. Um, and so, yeah, your team needs to <laughs> to grow to be able to keep all of this up and keep all the plates spinning in the air, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yep. Keeping plates spinning is a lot of what we do, juggling balls. Um, but yeah, no, we've got a we've got a fantastic team. And those of you who have been interacting with us on 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 webinars and and other things will have seen how it's grown over the last year as well, which I think has really been essential to uh to being able to uh, to achieve what we're what we've been able to achieve on all these different fronts. Yeah, and all of this, all these kind of buckets were highlighted in this uh, Ocean Decade 2021 snapshot that you put out on social media that I also had seen uh, over across all platforms, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the TikTok. I don't know if you're on TikTok. Are you guys hip enough? Not yet. <laughs> We're still debating. Ah, okay. Um, that's where we get Stay the early tuned. careers and youths involved. That's yeah, where you get the TikToks. Exactly. But but you have fourteen thousand you know followers across all those platforms in a year. And so this uh, twenty twenty one snapshot that came out, you know that there's in in just a year, you know thirty one programs, eighty six projects, um, two hundred and four activities, and these actions are from over forty countries. Uh, it's just mind-boggling to really add all this up and see all of the effort that went into the planning of the decade uh, really be enacted and come out in these in these numbers. And one of the things that I think is most exciting and to help kind of shape the, the next few years of the decade is this new decade advisory board. Um, so yeah, I'd love to have you dive in a little bit deeper about what that is and how it differs from, you know, the, the group that existed to help create the decade and, and uh, where it goes from here. 
Yeah, so the the Decade Advisory Board is going to be a really key group of people um, over the next 10 years. I mean, it won't be the same people over the next 10 years because, like, I guess with any board, there will be will be rotation of members, but the function of this of this group will will be retained over over the next um, well next nine years. Now I've got to get used to saying that, I guess. But the I know it's I know. such a tricky thing to do in your head. I've done the same thing: is figuring out like, wait, okay, how many years are left? I know, and then people keep saying to me, "You've only got nine years left," and it's like. Stop! Stop! We can't. We can't be thinking <laughs> like that. But it's true, yeah. But um, yeah. So, so over the next nine years, the the decade advisory board is going to be key. So, it's really a a, a very um diverse group, diverse um in terms of gender, obviously, but also in terms of generations, geographies, but also in terms of the expertise and the the sectors um that the the people are coming from that is going to play a strategic advisory role um, throughout the throughout the life of the decade and that strategic advisory role is going to focus on you know obviously different issues a key function of this group is really going to be able to look at the programs that come in through the through the calls for decade action so you'll remember that the programs are the you know the big sort of global frameworks that are that are really you know trying to, to coalesce a, a large number of projects and actions and initiatives under them they're sort of the the building blocks of the decade and as they come in through the calls for decade actions the decade advisory board is going to you know be uh, or play a key role in reviewing those seeing how how they meet not only the, the the vision and the mission of the decade, how they fulfill the endorsement criteria, but how they also fit in with other global and regional initiatives to really be able to be able to add value. So that's you know that's one of the the the, the first roles and the first asks of the of the decade advisory board. But they'll also be advising on a on a range of other things. So for example where we're finalizing the monitoring and evaluation framework for the for the decade currently and the board will be looking at that and, and providing again advice and recommendations they're going to help us on the on the strategy for resource mobilization um, help us with communication and outreach um, particularly how do we you know how do we engage some of those groups perhaps where we've had less traction than others in in getting them engaged in the decade so it really is a is a key group it's going to meet about four times a year hopefully fingers crossed at least uh, one of those meetings will be in person, um, and so I know <laughs> wouldn't that be nice to actually be able to able to see each other again. Um, so the the process for putting this board together was there was a, a an open and many of you would have seen this I guess but a, a sort of a, an open call for nominations. Either you could be self nominate or you could be nominated by your by your institution. Um, that closed in September and we had two hundred and forty three I think is the is the number that comes to mind two hundred and forty three fantastic oh, wow. CVs that came in. I know we were absolutely thrilled just to have that number of, you know, professional, skilled, high-level people who wanted to dedicate time and resources. That's the most important part, I think, is that showing that, wow, this many high-level people are dedicated and care about the decade. That really shows, you know, the impact you guys have made, I think, because it's hard to get people to sign up to be on more boards, I think. (laughs) <laughs> I know, I know, and just, I mean, the just and the the depth of, of of skills and expertise in these in these CVs. We were, I mean, we were really blown away by this. Um, and yeah, again, all this is on a voluntary basis, as you say. You're asking people to do something above and beyond their 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 day jobs, and 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 that was the response we got. So you can imagine what an extremely complicated task it was for the selection panel to go from. I would not have wanted to be on that selection panel. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, and the the selection panel was was made up of the the chairperson of the of the IOC UNESCO as well as the the group of vice chairs, and they had an extremely complicated time uh, within the decade coordination unit. We were sort of doing the sort of the the filtering and the databases and presenting different scenarios, and if you know because we really wanted to get diversity in that group as well, and there were so many variables and parameters to to take into account. But at the end of the day, we got there, and we have got um, and you'll see this on our on our website the the profiles, the great photos. The bios are all there. We have got 15 amazing, amazing people on that, ranging from an early career ocean professional who is the CEO of the the, the Seashells um, Conservation and Adaptation Trust Fund, to the uh, to the to the president of the the Nobel Nobel Prize uh, Foundation um, in in Sweden, to some amazing scientists looking, you know, coming from the anthropology world, from the from the tsunami world, from the disaster disaster 
disaster risk reduction um, world to private sector to to representative um, of the of the Pew Trust um, who's sort of bringing the philanthropic voice. So it's a it's a really really diverse group. Um, and one that we're, you know, we're really keen to start working with. The first meeting is actually going to be held next week. So it'll be the first time we're getting that group together. I should say we've got, because you mentioned our, our wonderful executive planning group as well, which was the group who really helped us in the preparation phase. Um, and we've got uh, two two representatives of that group who have agreed to carry over into the new board to to bring the the institutional memory oh, with fantastic. them. That's fantastic. That's so um, important. With yeah, which is, things, yeah, which is so important, right? So we've got um, Fang Li Kuo from the from the Ministry of Natural Resources and Margaret Leinen, who I'm sure many of you know from from Scripps Oceanet. Graphic Institute to 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 really be you know to who have had that engagement and that involvement um, over over the last four or five years. So it's look we're really really excited. It's something that we we can't wait to get work underway. Um, so there'll be a first meeting next week, which is more of a a meet and greet if you like, a, a get to know you, virtual get cocktails, up to speed, and yeah. then virtual cocktails. Yeah, <laughs> at one o'clock in the afternoon Paris time, but I'm sure we can work something out. <laughs> Um, and then essentially, hopefully, planning for a for a first in person uh, working meeting of that group uh, to be held sometime in the in the first three months um, of the year. At which point, we will be looking at all the wonderful submissions that we're going to get through call for decade actions number two and starting to to, to make some um, recommendations and, and and suggestions about the endorsement of the next set of uh, of decade programs oh that sounds fantastic and I also don't envy whoever has to do that doodle to figure out all the different time zones to get everyone <laughs> that's the the most challenge one of the most challenging parts that I've noticed uh, as I've continue to work in the ocean decade and then my international work now with shipping decarbonization is just figuring out a time of day when everyone can be in the same virtual place. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's uh, certainly one of the good reasons to go back to in-person meetings. You might be jet lagged, but at least you're, at least you're, you're there. awake and in the same room. Yeah, exactly. 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 Um, and you had mentioned when we were going over this, it's great to you know get to hear about some of these decade advisory board members, but then like you said, reading their bios and seeing their photos, one of the best things, at least visually, I think, and in information-wise, over the last year has been the launch of the new Ocean Decade website, like you said. Uh, so OceanDecade. Um, is it .org? Oh, gosh, I should know this. .org. .org. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it is .org. Yeah. <laughs> oh, OceanDecade.org. It's beautiful for those of you who have not seen the new website, and it's so much um, easier to find information. Even me, who I was, you know, working on the Ocean Decade full-time when it first was launched, was like, huh, I don't know if I can always find where everything is. But um, love to hear a little bit more about how the website was formed and some of the, you know, kind of online platformness of all of this. Sure. And first of all, thank you very much. We're very pleased with it because I can tell you, you were not the only one who was not able to find stuff. Most of the team couldn't find stuff either. So yeah, look, we, the, you know, websites uh, have a moment in time, right? And then they, their purpose outgrows them or, or they the have other to way evolve, around. You know, they Darwinism to has to yep. hit us exactly. all. Exactly. And we, you know, we shifted from, from preparation to implementation and the old website had served its purpose, shall we say. Um, so, yeah, so we have this 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 fabulous new website. We know it's not perfect. Um, so if you do see bugs or glitches, please go onto the send feedback here form um, and, and let us know because it is a, you know, it is a work in, in progress, but it is out there. It's it is, still a it baby. Is, it's growing up. It's, it's still a baby. Exactly. Exactly. And so we've taken a slightly different approach this time around because what we want to do, as you know, is get engagement, get people into the decade, get them talking to each other, get them collaborating, you synergize ideas, catalyze ideas. And so the website itself, you can sort of think of that as the shop window, right? That's where we're, we have you know, you can get a taster of what's happening. Oh, that's so Parisian. You know, the shop window. <laughs> Isn't and, it? Yeah. <laughs> it's such a Parisian idea. Well, you know us. Website. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that, but it is a bit like that, right? <laughs> but um, but in a good way, of course. Um, and then if you want to learn more, which we hope everybody will be attracted by the and the beautiful graphic design, and, and and thank you very much again to the team and the and the fabulous consultants from Three Sided Cube that we had working with us. Once you get past the, the the beauty of the shop window, then you get into the Global Stakeholder Forum, and that's where it all happens. So the so the Global Stakeholder Forum, I guess, is the is you know the 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 big novelty, the big new 
new thing about what we're what we're doing this time around with our with our digital presence. It is essentially um, depends which generation you're from, but it's sort of the the LinkedIn or the Facebook of of the ocean decade, where people join up as individuals. Um, and then you can sort of interact at different levels. You can sort of be one of those people who lurks on Facebook and just reads stuff and doesn't post. You can join groups. You can share information. You can, you know, tell people where you're traveling to, what conference you're going to be at. You can organize meetups. Um, it has a whole range of, of, of functionality, which we hope will really foster, uh, you know, a very strong online community. And we're, you know, 2,400 people already, already signed up. And if there's one thing I would encourage every listener of the of the podcast today to do is to go to the uh, go to the website oceandecade.org and hit the join button and join the global stakeholder forum um, and and become part of this because you know there's it this is where information about the decade is is really going to be able to f- be found and and be shared and so this 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 forum I mean it's 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 for that individual sort of collaboration and exchange and synergies, but it's also going to be the place where you submit your decade actions, where if you're in a decade action, you upload your monitoring um, information. It's where you're going to go to register for new events. Um, it's where all the details of the decade activities, the the workshops, the trainings, the job opportunities, the funding are, are going to be posted. And it's also the home of the digital home, I should say, of the National Decade Committees, of the regional task forces, of the different communities of practice. Um, the early career ocean professionals have now got two groups actually on the on the on the forum that are you know that are that are facilitated and 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 are fed with content by their members. One a public group for anybody who wants to to learn about ECOPs in the decade, and the other one which is for the focal points of the ECOP focal points of the endorsed decade actions. I was just on a call with um with the Mediterranean program who would like to set up a, you know, a regional group for the Mediterranean. So everybody working in the Mediterranean can see what's, see what's happening through the Global Stakeholder Forum. So it has all this, you know, it has all this potential. Again, it is growing. It's very modular. We can add new features on, we can, we can change features. Um, but it's something that we want to design with the community to really make it, you know, the most useful uh, that it can be for, for you. So please do sign up, have a look at it and send us, send us feedback on, on things that you'd like to see, things that you don't like, things that don't make sense. We now have a, um, a full-time community manager um, based out of Vancouver whose job is to make sure that this is the best experience that it can be for the for the community so yeah which is fabulous because we've got somebody thinking about well not 24 I hope she's not thinking about it 24 hours to 24 but at least you know during working hours we've got somebody who is fully focused on the global stakeholder forum and how it is interacting with all the other different pieces of the decade and you were saying at the beginning like there's so many you know there are so many different streams that we have to keep hold of the global stakeholder forum is sort of almost where it all comes together right because this is where there's information about the actions where there's information about the governance and coordination where resource mobilization opportunities are posted where we're communicating and 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 doing that engagement so it's a really really key piece of the decade and please please join up um even if you just go on every now and then and see what's happening or you know or if you know or you or you do have the time and the energy you get the weekly emails that I just had it pop up the because I've signed up on the Global Stakeholder Forum because this podcast is a is an official action and it just got the email and so I get highlights in my inbox every week. It's easy as that. It's very nice, right? And then you straight away know what's been happening in the in the decade for the last week. So yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great tool and it's something that's just going to become more and more important over over the next nine years. Yeah, I I completely agree. Looking back, like I said, I was looking back at what we had discussed last year. We talked a lot about the top-down and bottom-up nature of the Ocean Decade. And I think that the forum really represents this kind of governance design because you have, you know, the UN and the IOC communicating down and people communicating up and sideways in all different ways. And it's just going to be this beautiful, you know, web of of information that um, we've talked a lot about. And I ask every single one of my guests, you know, what would this a successful decade look like at the end of it and i think that just the you know capturing of this global stakeholder forum and all the information on it at the end of the decade like that's going to be such a useful product to have um 
in capturing trends over the time and years, and it'll be incredible. Exactly. And hopefully some of the, the groups that come up through that as well. I mean, hopefully, you know, either the, the coordination structures that are being built to, to, to look at, to help coordinate certain themes of the decade or, or some of the, you know, more the stakeholder interest groups, hopefully they're going to be groups that have a legacy after the decade as well. And that really, you know, through the Global Stakeholder Forum, find, find, find their, their glue, find their connection, find their place and, and are something that, that lasts into the future. Yeah, 100%. We'll be, you know, chatting again one year from now, talking about all the cool actions that have been submitted because people met and talked on the Global Stakeholder Forum. Exactly. That is exactly the aim. So that's fantastic. So the last one of these buckets that I want to talk about um, is this resource mobilization that you that you had highlighted when you talked about it, you know, that uh, this is going to be the key piece going forward, that it's not just about, you know, labeling things people are already doing as oh, these contribute to the decade, but really getting new funding in the sadly very underfunded ocean world. When you think about, you know, conservation world, most of it, that funding goes on land. So really, how do we mobilize more money for ocean actions, either, you know, in kind or or actual, you know, dollars in the bank? So uh, can you go over a little bit about how much funding has been able to be raised for the decade during this first year? And then uh, what the resource mobilization plans are for 2022. Yeah, and you're, you're I mean, it, yes, it is, it is vital. And, you know, it's, it's, I would say it's one of the top three questions we get asked in meetings or in webinars or, you know, people wanting to understand the approach to resource mobilization and then how, how, how we can help them, essentially. And so maybe I can sort of take a step back and, and, and remind people of the, of the approach. I mean, as we've, you know, as we've tried to be, I think, quite clear clear from the outset, the ocean decade is not a financing mechanism. We don't have either the either the capacity nor the ambition really to have a big pot of money that is managed by the ocean decade team and that is, you know, that is handed out. You already have enough jobs. You don't need to add, you know, grant <laughs> grant giver out. Yeah, there's there's that and there's the fact that there are people out there doing this already and doing it with many more skills in this area that than than we have. So our if you had to sum up our resource mobilization I guess, approach or strategy in one word, it's really alignment, right? What we aim to do is a work with resource providers, whether they be philanthropies, whether they be private sector, governments, multilateral development banks, um, high net worth individuals, sovereign wealth funds, so that they align their priorities with the priorities of the ocean decade. And then we play a matchmaking role, essentially, whereby we have our decade actions, we have our portfolio of decade actions and partners who are seeking funding, and we aim to provide a matchmaking or connection function to the resource providers that have that funding available and that have agreed that the ocean decade and the decade actions are, are important. So that's really the, you know, that's the, I guess, the crux of, of, of our approach. Now, a year ago, that was all very, very theoretical because a year ago we didn't have any decade actions. So, you know, we would have these discussions with, um, with funders and I remember some of them. Big metaphysical discussions about, well, if we did this and then you could do this. Yeah, exactly. It was all very abstract. And, and some of them were like, well, I, I don't get it. What do you want us to fund? And I was like, well, I'll tell you in three months when we have some decade actions. And, and it was, you know, it was challenging to have some of those conversations. I would say with the philanthropic world, it was less challenging because I think that is a, a type of funding where they're, where they're more used to taking risks and starting from a very conceptual um, basis and basically co-creating things to, to, to fund together. But certainly with some of the other funders, it was, it was a very complicated discussion to have. Things have changed because we now have our 31 projects, our 84, uh, 31 programs, our 84 projects, et cetera, et cetera. And we can go to funders and we can be very, very concrete and, and very clear about the resource needs of the decade. So one of the first things we did with our endorsed decade programs was go to them with a with an Excel spreadsheet, which basically asked them to identify what resources they have already secured and what resources, you know, what is the gap in resourcing. And that was both in terms of in-kind resources, you know, ship time or capacity development, et cetera, as well as financial resources. And from that, we've been able to do um, some initial analysis. We we need to actually dive into this in in more detail. But looking 
you know, at individual programs, but then also looking geographically, geographically, sorry, thematically. So we can say, you know, for the for the data programs of the decade, there is, you know, X million um, that is that is missing in terms of in terms of funding. Or we can say for the South Pacific, this is the, you know, this is the budget, this is the aim, this is the ambition. And that's something that I've never been able to hear before in other things because we say like oh we think we know what the funding needs are but to actually like ask the people who are doing it and be able to assemble it that's pretty amazing it's pretty yeah it is and I I think it's you know it was a lot of work for the programs to put that together and we still have you know what we're doing with our with our with the resource provider side now is saying what information do you need how can we make this information useful for you so that you can make funding decisions around it and so we have a group of philanthropic partners that we talk to every couple of months we're getting together a group of private sector partners we're starting engagement with multilateral development banks and really saying you know and 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 with national governments of course as well and saying this is the information we can provide you what do you need to be able to take your funding decisions and you know it is a it's a long process because it's not something that happens overnight these 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 funding agencies make their sort of plan or, or do their strategic planning several years in advance and and it's it's not you know it's not the sort of they're not the sort of decisions that, that, that can change very rapidly but it's those are the discussions we can at least now be having with data um, in our hands, essentially. So it's it's something that's that's very very important. And as I said at the outset, will continue to be a, a real focus this year and then and then moving on. And a couple, I think, of, of big, big things that are, you know, really, really helping with it or big initiatives that are that are really going to help this. The first is with, if you remember, I, I probably spoke about this last year, I can't remember, but the Ocean Decade Alliance, which is, you know, this group of eventually what will be 40 to 50 eminent um, private sector, philanthropic, UN, national government, um, head of state institutional and individual members of a group who want to help create this revolution in ocean science funding and financing. Um, Throughout the first year, I would, I would say the Ocean Decade Alliance was relatively, um, we didn't, you know, we, 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 we were very much focused on the decade actions and, and getting things underway. And, and the, the Alliance has really, or it's now that the Alliance is really going to, to start to take, take shape. There's a lot of plates there's at a lot times. of plates being in all ties, <laughs> but given this this real shift in focus to this resource mobilization question, we had our, our first meeting of the Sherpas of the Ocean Decade Alliance just last week. We have big plans for that group as we move into some of these, you know, really important meetings and conferences this year, whether it be in Brest, whether it be in Palau, of course in Lisbon in June, but really working with this group to get new commitments, to get new announcements, to get new partnerships, to get new initiatives. So we've got this, you you know, we've now got this platform of partners who are helping us um, at the highest levels on this resource mobilization question. We also have our philanthropic foundations group, and I've mentioned you know philanthropy a few times now because they are so essential to to funding to funding ocean science. And we have a meeting planned with a with a group of around thirty philanthropic foundations. Again, fingers crossed in person in Morocco in June, hosted by the Mohammed VI Foundation for the Protection of the Environment, where we're going to be looking at partnerships, initiatives, collaborations, including some that we you know that we will aim to. Um, to to really announce in Lisbon. So there are those two big streams of work going on with the Alliance and the Philanthropic Foundations. We now have the data that we can actually discuss with them. And then I guess to, to finish off another you know, another new mechanism that many of you will have seen if you are looking at the, the the documentation for the second call for decade actions is something um, that we're, you know, we're really proud of and that I think has a lot of potential to to be a really effective tool for, for resource mobilisation are these sponsored or, or co-branded calls for decade actions. And these are essentially where we've worked with partners such as the AXA Research Fund or the Mia Wissen Initiative, which is uh, financed through BMZ, the, the German Development Corporation uh, Ministry, with, with JPI Oceans, with Arctic Net, which are focusing on, on Arctic research, or with uh, Fisheries and Oceans Canada. Um, so we've got these, you know, these, these group of, of guinea pig partners who have been fabulous to, to work with, where they've basically come to us and said, look, we are putting, we have a budget, we want to solicit projects around ocean science, but we want to make sure what we're soliciting aligns with the decade priorities and we want whatever 
that comes in, we will fund it, but we want them to be decade actions so that they can join the decade, the decade ecosystem, et cetera. Well, that's awesome. That's such an interesting way of using partnerships and like kind of co-fundraising a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So we've we've worked with all of these um, partners to to co-develop what the scope of that call will look like. What are the eligibility criteria? How can we be, you know, involved in in whatever way in the in the selection of projects, so that as they're being selected for funding, they're also being selected for their potential to be endorsed as decade actions. And it seems to be a mechanism that is working really well, both for the community because it's showing that there are resources on the table, but also for the funders because it doesn't you know, it doesn't completely change their whole way of doing thing and their whole system of doing thing. It's a realignment. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a shared, uh, identifying shared priorities. And so that's something we're going to really continue um, into, into this year, into to future calls for decade actions. And hopefully we'll, we'll get a lot more of those, hopefully including some for some specific geographical regions. I mean, I, I would love, we were talking in the team about having a sponsored call for decade actions with one or more partners that focused on Africa or one that focused on Pacific SIDS so that some of these geographies that are less well represented know that there is a call for decade action specifically for them that has resources behind it. And, and fingers crossed by the time I come back to you in a year, you know, in a year from now, I'll be able to talk about how we how we manage to how we manage to, to pull those together. So so there's a lot happening in the resource mobilization world. We know people are really um, anxious to hear how we can support them, and we will you know we'll keep talking about this and 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 you know don't hide that it's a it's a it's a complicated and it's a long process. But we are very very dedicated to this. Just that you and you asked just to finish off. Perhaps you asked about some of the the figures through these through these sponsored calls for decade actions. We've we've managed to leverage about 15 million um, US over, well, I guess over the last six months or so, which is, you know, still small compared to the needs, but it's it's a start. It's, it's, it's a not insignificant start. Um, and then in terms of the sort of the decade actions globally, the, the, the assessment that we did showed that there's, you know, close to 850 million US dollars that has already been leveraged in in-kind or, or financial resources by, by, by partners, by the Ocean Decade, by, by the decade actions themselves. So you can see that there is, there is financing there. There needs to be a whole lot more, but we're not an empty shell. You know, there, are, there, is, there is something behind this. There are definitely resources behind all of this. Yeah, thanks for going over that. And I'm really excited by the idea, you know, of these kind of co-produced decade actions, because when I was uh, working on the decade, you know, foundations here in the US, half of the people that I talked to, they say, well, this is great. But if my funder doesn't care about it, then I'm not going to care about it, <laughs> you know, because everyone has to deal with grant reporting and things like that. So getting those groups on board and having it be part of your requirements for either applying or for do that, that could be a whole a game changer, I think, in terms of getting more and more people interested and involved in the decade. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We hope so. Yeah. Well, this is, that was a fantastic kind of overview of all these buckets. And it's incredible to think <laughs> about the fact that all of this work and these successes of the first year of the ocean decade have taken place in a virtual environment still, um, which I don't think any of us could have anticipated, um, you know, I've been talking to Allison for two years now and we've never met and all these, you know, all these people that I've just, I know their voices, you know, from anywhere, but I've, when I see them, I'll say, oh, you're taller or shorter than I thought you would be. Um, but how has, you know, the ongoing pandemic and this virtualness of the Ocean Decade impacted the first year of decade implementation? Um, what are the ongoing challenges that you needed to overcome or wh what are some of the upsides? Yeah, look, I, it's, it's a great question. And you know, who would have thought, right? Um, I think when, uh, well, it must have been April 2020 or end of March when our, when it was the very last of our regional planning workshops that went virtual and everyone was sort of like, oh, is this, you know, we, and, and who would have we're thought? We're going to be able to do this? Yeah. yeah, we're going to be able to do this and then we're going to be able to do this for two and a half years? Like, no, <laughs> who would have thought? Um, and so, yeah, look, there have definitely been, well, let's start with the downsides first before we get to the to the positive. Yes, there have been downsides because as we all know, there is magic, there are sparks, there are connections that happen when you're in the room with somebody. And I think, you know, it's particularly those times when we've wanted to catalyze partnerships, um, when we've wanted diverse groups to come together and create new decade actions, when we've wanted to, you know, drill down from what was discussed in the regional planning workshops to 
you know, what are regional priorities? What are the top 10 priorities for Africa over the next, uh, you know, nine, nine years? That brainstorming is really difficult to do in a, you know, in a virtual way. And yes, I know there are numerous platforms out there. We've had some great service providers. We've tried different platforms, but it's just not the same, right? And I, I think there's definitely been, there's definitely been a downside to that, um, just in terms of, in terms of the interactivity that, that we've been able to have. And I think, you know, from that point of view, we're all really looking forward to being able to travel, not as much as before, I'm sure, for carbon footprint, um, among other reasons. But at least, you know, being, I think, we'll be much more deliberate and um, careful in our choices of where we travel, but still being able to have moments where we can have those in-person connections with people in the room. But on the upside, I mean, there, there definitely has been an upside. And I think this comes down to um, probably more, less about the interactivity, which has been harder, but more about the outreach, the communication, the information sharing. And if you think about how it how it was when we, you know, before the pandemic, for something like the Ocean Decade in its first year, we may have been in what, five, seven, ten conferences with 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 side events. Um, we've had a terrible carbon footprint. We would have spent tens of thousands of of, of printing. Dollars. You know, like all, like yeah. all stuff like that. You know, yes, printing and 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 travel and and plane tickets and hotels and and all and all the rest of it. And you know, that would have been, as I say, five, seven, ten, ten side events, maybe. Having had everything virtual, we have been in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of events um, on panels. We've done videos. We've, you know, we've been able to get up at two o'clock in the morning and do a a, a ten minute panel and been on multiple <laughs> podcasts. You know, it's you're multiple podcasts. It's <laughs> yeah, so it's it's been able to, and particularly in this first year, I think that's been really fantastic because our our outreach and our exposure and our our visibility has really benefited because of that because we have been able to be so present um, virtually. And it's also meant that, you know, people who didn't have the resources to travel or couldn't get the visa to travel or, you know, ECOPs um, that just, you know, just did, again, didn't have didn't have the resources or the capacity or were not invited to some of these, some of these meetings have been able to click, click on a Zoom link and they've been there and they've been in the room. And so in some ways it sort of democratized a lot of the discussions as well, because you can have an ECOP putting a question in the chat to, I don't know, the chief principal scientist of of of, of, of the Swedish government, because they're on a Zoom call together, which, you know, in a conference, also if you're, you know, people aren't perhaps as comfortable or they're not in the room and so so I think we need to remember that there have been upsides and yes everybody wants to start traveling again and and yes we need that in-person spark and connection and magic but I think we're going to have to be very deliberate again about those choices where we travel and maintaining this very strong online presence and this equity in some ways that comes from having these 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 online and virtual events and and realizing that there's a whole big audience out there that we've now tapped into that we can't you know Forget about them abandoned, just because, yeah, <laughs> yeah abandon it. That's exactly the word. Just because we're just because we're able to travel again, because I think, you know, just from a personal point of view, I think there's a there's a really strong risk with, with you know, with at least the Western world sort of getting vaccinated and getting back to travel, that that divide between the 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 the, the global north, well. Don't like that phrase so much, but you know the the the, the countries where yeah, there's not a good phrase for yeah. There's not, and particularly coming from Australia, it was always like what global north. The the vaccine inequity, you know, is going to continue to be an issue going forward, and yeah, and and it could actually, you know, it could deteriorate. What am I trying to say? It could actually result in a worse situation that we had before the pandemic in terms of who is in the room and who is at the table because it's you know. It, it, it is it has created such great great divides so anyway look it's you know a bit of a bit of an aside but I think we all as a community need to be very very conscious of that and very aware of that and make very strategic decisions not only about where we are traveling but also the types of events that we're going to be holding um, and who can be involved in them yeah I think that's uh, kind of my experience of the the decade as well and it's been you know I think even if we were, if things were in person, I might've gotten less podcast guests, you know, people who can share their things, you know, a different way. And it's been a great opportunity. Our, you know, our January episode, we had um, two leaders from uh, large ocean states and I was recording at, you know, 9 PM or something East coast U S time. And it was like the next morning there or something. I, I time zones still freak me out, but um, 
like, how would I have had that opportunity before? And so I think really thinking about where we're starting and how we're creating this foundation of the decade and this level of equity and bringing voices uh, to the virtual table that hadn't been there before is a, you know, a great success uh, of, of all of your work. Um, so coming, coming to a close here, I, I ask all of my guests this, and I've, I realized I had to rephrase it because I've asked you this already, but um, you know, after you've been working on the decade for a year, you know, has your idea of a successful decade changed since I asked you about it last year? What does success in 2030 look like to you now? Hmm. That's a really good question. And I, I, I wish I remember what I said last year. I know. I should have gone <laughs> back and listened to it too, to be like, well, last year you had said. <laughs> <laughs> look, I it probably, well, I hope it hasn't changed or that would be somewhat incoherent of me, but what does success look like for me now moving forward? I think it's, we, you know, we've been very, oh, we've tried to be very, again, deli- I keep using this word deliberate, but it's true. We're, we're trying to be, we're trying to use evidence and data. And, and I think probably a year ago, we were just looking to have a lot of those first decade actions there, those first building blocks there. And I think success for me now is going to look like making sure that moving forward, we've now got the building blocks, where are the gaps? And having really strong processes, having really strong data and evidence and knowledge to be able to find the gaps and fill those gaps with new decade actions so that we, you know, we have the science we need for the ocean we want. And so really being able to We got to that now... tagline in there. Awesome. I did. Yay. <laughs> Yay for me. <laughs> I try and get it in wherever I can. But um, but no, it's true. It's 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 this thing of, you know, we don't just want a, a sugarcoating of programs and projects and so on all over the world, right? We've always said this is about collective impact. And so I think success for me is going to be more and more about co-creating what that, um, you know, what that decade should look like, where are those critical knowledge gaps, getting consensus around that and getting then people together around these big transformative ideas. So it's, it's somehow, you know, it's sort of, it's, it's sort of a, a refinement and a, and a filtering and making sure we're, we're focusing and we've got a laser focus on, on where those needs are. So that's one part of it. And then the second part of it, I guess, no surprise, because I've talked about it a lot over the last 45 minutes, resource mobilization. Um, making sure that, you know, again, it's not just a revolution in ocean, ocean science, it's a revolution in ocean science of funding, because that is going to be the only way this whole this whole decade is, is going to work. So really being able to convince partners who may never have thought of funding or investing in ocean science, that that is what they need to fund. And that is what they need to invest in, because it underpins sustainable development and, and you know, a whole range of issues related to, to human well-being and livelihoods and, and, and conservation and biodiversity and climate um so yeah those that's what i that's what i would say for me a successful decade is going to look like over the next nine years i'm sure that it's perfectly consistent with what you said last year and if not it evolved based on evolving you know information and knowledge exactly. and so we can, we can spin it either way but um Allison, thanks so much for, for coming back on and taking us through you know the first year of the decade um and really all the successes that Uh, your team has been able to help facilitate and uh, I look forward to yeah chatting with you again well obviously we'll talk before a year but have you on the (laughs) podcast again in one year to I I love the idea that this could be an annual thing to really go over uh, how the decade is growing each time so thank you for your time and we'll uh, chat with you again soon fabulous well look thank you so much for inviting me back taylor it's been a pleasure happy to come back in a year and congratulations to you also and 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 your team for the for the podcast series it's it's a it's fantastic to not only you know your investment in and and the energy that you've put into this but the the guests that you've been able to get on and the audiences you've been able to have it's 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 so thrilling to see that there's so much interest so thank you for making that happen and yes rendezvous in a year's time to to see where things are at And everyone visit OceanDecade.org in the meantime to see uh, all the updates and the beautiful new website. Thanks, I'll see you next month.